My name's Sue Woolley and I'm doing the theme talk this morning. And now I'll chalice lighting to some words by Andy Pakula. Let this light remind us of the sacred flame of light that blazes within, constant yet ever-changing, burning yet never consumed. O inner light of soul and spirit, lead our minds to greater understanding, lead our hearts to love more fully, and lead our hands to create justice. Amen. On your seat, you should have a sheet with some words. So let's join in singing the hymn, The World Needs Love. The the tune should be familiar.
about worship by Jacob Trapp. To worship is to stand in awe under a heaven of stars, before a flower, a leaf in sunlight, or a grain of sand. To worship is to be silent, reflective, before a tree astir with the wind, or the passing shadow of a cloud. To worship is to work with dedication and with skill. It is to pause from work and listen to a strain of music. To worship is to sing with the singing beauty of the earth. It is to listen through a storm to the still small voice within. Worship is a loneliness seeking communion. It is a thirsty land crying out for rain. Worship is kindred fire within our hearts. It moves through deeds of kindness and through acts of love. Worship is the mystery within us, reaching out to the mystery beyond. It is an inarticulate silence yearning to speak. It is the window of the moment, open to the sky of the eternal. My theme for this morning is the sacred in everyday life. So here is a story about the wonders of the world, adapted from one by Bill Darlison. Thank you, Bill. One day... The teacher said to her students, let's make a list of the wonders of the world. We can include both man-made structures and natural phenomena. And after much discussion, we are Unitarians after all, and some disagreement, the class came up with the following list. seven wonders. Claire, wouldn't you like to see all these magnificent things? Yes, I would. But I have a list of my own, and it's very different from the one on the flip chart. Would you like to share it with us? This is my list of the wonders of the world. To see, to hear, to touch, to taste, to smell, to laugh, and to love. The class went quiet, as the teacher and students realised that they didn't have to go very far to find wonders in the world. Thank you very much. Is this the time that you're going? <laughs> 
I'm trying to get rid of them. Yeah. But... <laughs> Code for the year, is it 909? Yes. Okay, thank you. Yeah, surely. If anyone's too hot, by all means open windows. I can always do it with a bit more cold air around the place. As most of you will know, Christians have sacraments, which Augustine defined as the visible form of an invisible grace. Protestants have two, baptism and the Lord's Supper or communion. And Roman Catholics have an additional five, confirmation, confession or penance, marriage, ordination, and extreme unction or last rites. Although I understand that this last can be now done if the person is ill rather than dying. My Baptist lecturer at Regent's Park College, Myra Blythe, stated that they point to and reveal the creating, redeeming grace of God through their association with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. They are an extension of Christ's ministry in and to the world. That's a Baptist viewpoint. But I would rather believe, with the writer John Macquarie, that we live in a sacramental universe, rather than the divine presence being limited to either two or seven sacraments. Macquarie believes that God has so arranged things that the material world can become a door or channel of communication through which he comes to us and we may go to him. For this reason, man's or woman's spiritual well-being demands that they should recognize and cherish the visible things of the world as things that are made by God and provide access to God. In other words, God, the Spirit, the Divine, the Sacred, Other, is present everywhere, all the time. The trick of sacred living is recognizing this. Sacred living for me is about weaving moments of attention into your everyday life and recognizing the sacred there. It is about living with a new level of awareness. It is about going through our day, paying attention to what is happening in each passing moment. It is about noticing the presence of the divine, the numinous, everywhere, in the natural world, in other people, in ourselves, and in things that happen to us. Sacred living is about rediscovering our sense of wonder 
and living our lives in response to that. A prayer quoted by Rachel Naomi Remen, who Linda introduced me to in her wonderful book, My Grandfather's Blessings, reads, Days pass and the years vanish and we walk sightless among miracles. Lord, fill our eyes with seeing and our minds with knowing. Let there be moments when your presence, like lightning, illumines the darkness in which we walk. Help us to see wherever we gaze that the bush burns unconsumed. And we, clay touched by God, will reach out for holiness and exclaim in wonder, How filled with awe is this place, and we did not know it. Over the last 40 years, the pace of change in our lives has accelerated. My life as a child in the 60s, yes, okay, do the math, was not enormously different to that of my parents in the 30s. Okay, there were more cars, and we had a television. But in my childhood, my main activities and pleasures were much the same as theirs had been. Exploring the neighbourhood, reading, playing board games, doing jigsaw puzzles, building Lego, playing with dolls, not my father. <laughs> ballet lessons, also not my father. I think that things started to spiral out of control with the advent of the, per- the first PCs, personal computers, in the early 1980s. For the first time, this amazing technology could be owned and used by ordinary people, not just government departments or universities. My first computer was an Amstrad PCW with green letters on a black screen and a whole 256K of memory. And I thought it was brilliant. I did my whole master's thesis on it. Then Bill Gates introduced Windows and Unitarian Tim Berners-Lee invented the World Wide Web and the whole computer world took a giant leap forward. On the entertainment front, first videos, then CDs, DVDs, MP3 players, iPods, satellite television changed the way we experience music and films. Today, hundreds of everyday objects have tiny little computers inside them to make them work or not work. (laughs) Mobile phones are everywhere and the latest iPhones are mini computers all by themselves. (laughs) 
if you can find out how to work them. For me, the sad thing about all this progress is that it's all taken so much for granted, especially by most young people who have grown up with it. My children are 22 and 17 and simply cannot imagine a world without computers and mobile phones and 150 channels on Sky. And if we talk to them about what growing up in the 60s was like, the response is, how did you manage without it all? Together with relief that they don't have to. Sometimes I will comment on how amazing I find a particular piece of technology. I'm a bit of an addict of the How Does It Work program on the Discovery Channel. And they look at me, gone out, with pitying smiles. They are very hard to impress. <laughs> Their sense of wonder has atrophied. And I think that's a shame. I hope I'm not sounding like a grumpy old woman. <laughs> but I really do worry about our dependence on technology for our work and our leisure. And I'm a victim of this as much as anyone else. My computer broke down the other day and I felt as though my arm had been chopped off. To be fair, it was mainly because I needed to do my job that I was so dismayed, but it made me realise how very dependent I am on it. There was a particular piece of work that needed to be done, and all the documents I needed were on the computer waiting to be printed out. Without it, I couldn't do my job. And I also, I'm confessing this here, felt peculiarly cut off and isolated when I didn't have access to emails and Facebook. But to my credit, I think my response was quite a healthy one. I decided to wait till my husband got home, I am so lucky being married to a computer expert, <laughs> and cut my losses, spent the day searching out readings and prayers in the old-fashioned way, using books. The question I want to consider this morning is twofold. Has our reliance on technology diminished our sense of wonder? And if it has, how can we get it back? I think it's only too easy to take all our modern marvels for granted. We live in an immensely complex world, entirely reliant on the work of others and on technological innovation to live our lives. We press a switch and the computer turns on, the light turns on, we turn a key, the car starts. We turn on a tap and the water comes out, fresh and drinkable. We go shopping, 
and the shops are full of goods that were delivered by a complex logistics network. How often do we actually consider where these things come from and how many people we are dependent on for our lives? All these things are taken for granted. It is the nature of the complex society we live in. It is mundane, every day, not a matter for wonder. Well, maybe it should be. If we live mindfully, with awareness, paying attention to the everyday miracles that make up our lives which I would call sacred living. Maybe our sense of wonder would return. I have a book at home, which is here, called Spiritual Literacy, Reading the Sacred in Everyday Life, which has really made me think about how I approach that same everyday life. Frederick and Mary Ann Brossat, the authors, explain, the readings in this book reflect the wide variety of approaches and experiences of the sacred in everyday life. Many of us recognize the presence of spirit moving in our lives through encounters with things, places, nature, and animals. Our activities also put us on a spiritual path as does being moved to service. A spiritual perspective is perhaps most evident in our relationships. We use this term broadly to refer to the many connections in our lives. And reading it was a revelation for me. The Brossats have collected hundreds and hundreds of examples from, from contemporary books and films which they use to show the reader how to see the world with fresh eyes. Before reading it, it would never have occurred to me to thank my hoover for picking up the dirt so well or to see the spiritual benefits of washing up mindfully. But I know now. So how can we rediscover our sense of wonder? As people of faith, we have a head start on everyone else. We are at least accustomed to thinking about spiritual matters, to looking at the world from another angle than the mundane. I've been talking for half an hour. It's time for you to do some work. On your seats, there should be a list of the Brossat's advices for everyday living. And I would like to split you into roughly five groups, one for each category. Mindfulness, compassion, interconnectedness, gratitude and self-awareness and I'd like you to 
talk about the Brussels advices and maybe come up with some of your own. We'll have 10 or 15 minutes for this, after which we'll come back together and share. Well, thank you all for working so hard. As you can see, this is a very different approach to life. It involves being open and trusting, taking life as it comes with thankfulness. Most importantly, it involves being aware all the time of the marvels around you, whether they are people or places or things. And I'm not saying that we can all do this all at once. It is the work of a lifetime. But just being aware of this different approach to life may make a difference. It may help us to realise that the world actually is a pretty amazing place and to count our blessings and recognise the wonders with which we are surrounded. At the time I was writing this talk, I broke for lunch at this point. Having just typed out all the Brussels advice, thank God for touch typing, I ate my lunch mindfully, thinking about the food I was eating, where it had come from, who had been involved in its production, what it tasted like, and gave thanks. I didn't read as I ate, which is my usual practice, but actually concentrated on the act of eating. And you know, it made the food taste nicer. I really appreciated that simple meal. And when I got back to my computer, my lovely Lord of the Rings screensaver was working away, and I took the time to wonder at its beauty and at the technology that made it possible. I'm a beginner at this, but I'm finding that when I do remember to think about the spiritual aspects of everyday life, I'm getting more out of it, appreciating things more. Hopefully, in time, by the time I'm 80, if I practice it faithfully, it will transform my life and how I connect with other people and with the world. May it be so for all of you too. Let us now join in singing our second hymn this morning in the Purple Book, hymn number 50, God of Every Stone and Pebble.
to this day. For it is life, the very life of life. In its brief course lie all the verities and realities of your existence. The bliss of growth, the glory of action, the splendor of beauty. For yesterday is but a dream, and tomorrow is only a vision. But today, well lived, makes every yesterday a dream of happiness, and every tomorrow a vision of hope. Look well, therefore, to this day.